We conclude today our examination of Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. I would encourage you to turn and read along as I read aloud from God's Word if you have a Bible. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 and continuing. This is speaking of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Dear Father, as we look at your word, we continue to desire what your word, through your power alone, is able to accomplish. Real life changes in our hearts and our lives. Changes that are permanent. Changes that lead us to glory. Changes that accomplish salvation in our hearts through repentance and trust in Christ. Changes which teach us the way in which to walk and which give us the strength to walk in the right way. Changes which cause us to turn from our sin with true remorse. We ask you to accomplish these things because they are within your power. I pray, Lord, that my words might be in keeping with your word because your word alone is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. You've probably heard the expression... The family that prays together stays together. We conclude our examination of this passage as a prescription for healthy families by looking at the significance of prayer in the life of the healthy family. Based upon the ebb and flow of interest in prayer throughout the years and decades in the church, the spiritual family, we might easily be led to believe that there is some doubt about the importance of prayer in families. Because there are times when prayer is seen as being on the upswing, and there are times when it is obviously and clearly on the downswing. Look at Scripture, and we can have no doubt that prayer plays a crucial role, not only in the spiritual maturity of us as individuals, but also in the health, vitality, and success of God's people united together as families. And we see all the similarities that there can be between the spiritual family, which is the church of God, those who trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, united by the blood of Christ, and human families, united by marriage and by birth. Prayer, along with the priority of studying Scripture, which is one of the, if you look at our passage, what did they devote themselves to? There are four things listed here. To the apostles' teaching, which is the study of Scripture. That sort of encapsulates it to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Prayer is the fourth and the last in this particular verse. But prayer, along with these other three things that are of vital importance, this area of prayer is an area that is crucial to the health of our families. We need to gain God's perspective in in order to put into our lives being in sync with God's agenda so that we may gain His blessings. Because as we gather together and go before the Lord and worship and look at His Word together, we would all acknowledge one thing, that we do desire God's blessings. 
In reality, we would all like our lives. We'd like our home. We'd like our family. We'd like our church. We would like all of these areas to be like what is described here in this passage. How is life described for the church in this passage? For the family of God. Life for the family of God in this passage is in ferment. Things are going on. It is not a static situation where things remain the same day in, day out, ad infinitum, and ad nauseum. But instead, they are dynamic. They are changing. Things are happening here. <clears throat> this church situation is filled with power. It is filled with miracles. There is compassion oozing out of every pore as we look at this passage and look at this family relationship of the church. There are believers being added to the church on a how often basis? <laughs> What's it say? Daily. Daily, daily, daily. Not monthly. Not annually. Semi-annually. Whatever. Instead, this is a daily change in the reality of this family life. And so as we look at this and we recognize that this is what we would like our family life to be like, whether it's the family life of the church, spiritual family, or our home family life, reality sets in so frequently in our hearts and our minds. And it says this, that although we want to experience this dynamic situation, not static, not staying in one place, but dynamic, constantly changing in a beneficial and positive manner situation, that we are frequently not doing what it takes to make this reality in our family lives. <clears throat> Over the past four weeks, I've tried to make, make it an effort to speak bluntly and directly. So let me be direct here in applying this issue of praying together as a must for the healthy family, whether in church life or home life. Let me specifically take something in the life of our church. Now, as we go into this, and I apply this bluntly and directly, you'll realize why frequently I don't apply things quite so bluntly and quite so directly. <laughs> the reason is because I think if someone tells me something that, that I need to hear, I would rather have them lay it out and let me pick up the pieces and put it all together, because that way i figured it out for myself, right? And they've provided the impetus necessary, but they haven't hit me over the head with a two-by-four. So it gives me the grace maybe to change by realizing that I need to change rather than that someone is demanding me to change. So let me be blunt and tell me if I've stepped on toes uh, next year. <laughs> Two Januarys ago, for instance, we initiated Fifth Sunday prayer meetings in our church. Why? Several people had specifically asked, Neil being one of them, that we have an opportunity for the congregation to pray to pray in our Sunday morning congregational worship times. And we initiated this for several reasons. Because we felt that only as we increase our reliance upon the power of the Lord through prayer will we receive His fullest guidance and blessings. In other words, if we are seeking God's blessing as a church, then we must be praying together as a church. Second, <clears throat> Based on various and sundry requests, we felt that there was a need for more prayer together as a church family. Up to that time, we had a men's prayer group going on Tuesday nights, and a lot of people couldn't meet at that time. So said, said, we need to increase this. There is a need for this. <clears throat> and third, 
We felt that the Sunday morning worship time was not the best time and place for people to become accustomed to learning to pray in public. Felt that we all need to become comfortable praying in public and learning to pray in public. Praying together with brothers and sisters in Christ out loud. Realizing that we are praying together as a body. Not in such a way that I'm listening to someone else's prayer and saying that prayer doesn't measure up. But instead when a person prays regardless of whether it's polished or unpolished, choppy or smooth, I'm united with that prayer and praying along. As are all the brothers and sisters in Christ. Now again, this is not the only time when we have prayer together as a church family. We have a time for men to pray together. We have a time for women to pray together. But we've averaged the same attendance um, with regard to each of these three times of prayer as a congregational family. Men's prayer, women's prayer, fifth Sunday prayer. All been between three and four people, three and five, two and five, somewhere around those numbers. Now, let me suggest an inference, a deduction, a Sherlock Holmes way of getting to if this, then this. Those of you who have or are taking SATs will jump the logic leap immediately. If this is an indicator of how much prayer goes on in our family at church, as a family, if this is an indicator of how much prayer goes on in our families at home, as families, which I think might be a fair assumption if you're following along with me, then we realize that in this we have a gaping, festering wound which is draining a life away from our families. When by proper and righteous attention to prayer together, in our families, at home and at church, we could find many blessings available for the asking. Our passage reveals some of those blessings and the way in which we should be devoted to prayer. Now, let me return to my less blunt and more obscure ways. And I'll try to be clear. What do we see in our passage? We see power, wonders, and miracles come through prayers to the Lord. In this passage again, if you look at it, you see that there are many wonderful and amazing things going on. And that's why this passage has been the focus of our attention and the focus of countless people throughout the ages' attention to see what is supposed to go on in the healthy church. Incidentally, a book that I read several years ago was very interesting and helpful in applying this passage specifically to the church family. And it's Dietrich Bonhoeffer's uh, book, Our Life Together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor who was executed at the end of World War II because of his efforts to assassinate Hitler. So if you're interested in a book on this passage regarding the church, it's Our Life Together. In this passage, many extraordinary things were going on. It's impossible for us to pick through these three methods, these three other things that were going on in the church. They were devoted to what? The apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to breaking of bread. And the fourth one, they were devoted to prayer. It's impossible to pick through them and say, all right, well, this happened because they were doing this. It's tied together. It's a relationship sort of thing. It's not a <clears throat> you do this and you'll get that sort of thing. However, we see that in Acts 2, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. In verse 47, and the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. These are things that no matter how good the fellowship, 
no matter how frequent the eating together, no matter how intent and studious their devotion to Scripture, would not happen unless the Lord heard prayers and granted their requests. There's been a movement afoot for some years in our country today. Signs and wonders, signs and wonders. Many churches are saying that in order for the world of America today to be impacted for Christ, there must be signs and wonders going on. But wherever you stand on that particular theological viewpoint, you'll find these things do not happen unless there is prayer. How do we know that? Do you remember a story... which is in Matthew 17, when a man brought his son to Jesus and said, can you, excuse me, he brought him to Jesus, but Jesus was away at the time. So he said to the disciples, can you heal this son of mine? And they tried and they failed. And Jesus came back and the man said, oh, look at your disciples, they stink. They can't do anything. What's the matter? Paraphrase, gross paraphrase. Jesus healed the child. And his disciples later talked with him about it. And he said in Matthew 17, 21, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And so we see that miracles and wonders, those things that we would love to have happen, if we're serious about dynamite impacting our church life and impacting our home life, then we cannot leave out the ingredient of prayer. Because without the ingredient of prayer, there is no dynamism, there is no change, there are no miracles, there are no signs, there are no wonders. But we also have to recognize that prayer is not supposed to be a means of our enlisting the Lord into our service. You remember the story in which uh, Joshua was going up to look at a battle, to look at an army that he was going to fight, and an angelic being appeared before him and he said to the angel whose side are you on and the angel said hold on a second you don't get it (laughs) he didn't put it this way but the question is more the angel asking joshua whose side are you on i am for the lord and the lord's army the angel said so we do not pray to get god on our side that is not the purpose of prayer We see in our passage as well that prayer is not supposed to provide what those who are praying can do. When the people who are praying can do something about a situation, prayer is not supposed to be the means of getting it done. James chapter 2 speaks so explicitly about this. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. The specific application of this verse with reference to our passage is this. When When the people in the New Testament church had the ability to sell their possessions and to provide for those in need, they didn't pray for God to bring the money. They sold their possessions and provided for those in need. Think of this with relation to family situations. When there is a need that you or I can meet, the job that we are supposed to do is not go to prayer for God's meeting that need. The job that we are supposed to do at that point is seek to meet that need. 
to do what we can do and then pray to God to provide those things we cannot do. Now, I'm leaving specifically out of here the prayers to God to change our hearts so that we will meet those needs. But the bottom line is this. When the New Testament people saw a need, they met it if they could meet it. And when they couldn't meet it, what did they do? They prayed for it. In the next passage, I know many of you have remembered hearing the kids sing, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for homes and held out his palms. Didn't know I was going to sing, did you? <laughs> and this is what Peter did say. What comes next? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up, rise up and walk. There was no praying. There was no way for Peter and John to meet this man's needs without prior prayer and power of God. If the man's needs would have been met by silver and gold, and Peter and John had had silver and gold, then they would have given it to him. That's an example specifically for our passage in Acts chapter 3, which speaks to that. Prayer is not to be an excuse for inaction on our part. Further, prayer is to be God-focused, not me or man-focused. When we pray, we are seeking God's power for mighty works for His glory, not for our glory. In Acts chapter 4, we read about Peter and John being released from the, the, the religious leaders. They had been told not to speak about Christ, and they returned to the people, the believers, And when the people, the believers, heard what the priests and the elders had said to them, in verse 24, we read, When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, saying, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And this is the part I'd like you to notice, specifically. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. In prayer, we are to seek God's power for mighty works for His glory. Our prayers are to be in keeping with God's will. We are to seek to have our prayers in keeping with God's will. Even as we see the believers expressing that the people who were delivering Jesus up to be crucified and the people who crucified Him, they said this, Those people did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Because we are God's people, all of our prayers should be directed to His will, not to our will. We see also that their prayer in Acts chapter 4 was for the confounding of the forces of evil. Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And so our prayers should be against evil. And the purpose, then, was to show the world that the Lord is behind his people, using mighty acts so that the world might see and know that Jesus is Lord. Now, if we put those three things together, in keeping with God's will to confound the forces of evil, 
And so that the world might see that God is behind His people, that Jesus might be glorified, that tends to winnow out a lot of our prayers. It tends to make us a lot more serious about our prayers. To make us devote our attention to prayers that are weighty. Not to speak in a chattering, sort of frivolous sort of way. What happens when a family, whether a spiritual family at church is praying together, whether a family at home is praying together? Again, this emphasis arises again and again in our passage, agreement. When people pray together, there is a unity that is established. Otherwise, have you ever prayed with someone that you didn't agree? You can't pray the same prayer that someone is praying if you disagree with them. And so there's a source of disunity there. But when we pray together, that unity is built up. Because the purpose of prayer is to join our minds as one with whoever is doing the speaking out loud so that God will hear an answer. And that's why God says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And he hears our prayers as we pray together. And so in our families, in our homes, it's crucial that we pray together. Because as we pray together, we are putting our minds as one together in agreement. One of the examples in... Um, in our family was this past summer, July, June, July, I can't remember when it was. Cassie said to Sandy and me, I would like a baby brother. And we said, honey, you know, we'd like you to have a baby brother, but we just have absolutely no control over that. We're just waiting and, you know, if we, if if the adoption goes through and we get a baby brother, you, you know, you get a baby brother. If it doesn't, then you don't. But what can you do about it? You can pray about it. Why don't you pray about it? Now, only God ever knows. I mean, certainly we have been praying about this. Cassie prayed about it. We prayed about it together as a family. Agreement is achieved when families pray together. If there is disunity, if you look back to prayer, you will see regularly, frequently, often, that there is not prayer being done together. One of the saddest things to me as an individual, a Christian, a pastor, or whatever, is to find times in marriage when people are unwilling to pray with their spouse. That is a sign of a rift that will not heal quickly. So you and I need to be praying together with our families. What else happens when people pray together? Together they become part of the solution. So it's not only agreeing on what needs to be done and seeking God's work in what needs to be done, and together witnessing what He does, but also frequently it involves joint work together. Joining together when we pray for God to do something, and He speaks to us and says, there's something you can do about that. Then we get together and we work together. And through all this, we are rejuvenated and empowered for further ministry work. Do you pray together with your family? Do you pray as an individual? Do you pray with your spouse if you're married? Do you gather together with other believers to seek the Lord's glory, the fulfillment of His will? If you have children, now is the time to be teaching them of the great importance and effectiveness of prayer. To be teaching literal children how to pray, even if all they do at the beginning is repeat it after you. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. 
going on down the line. If you're uncomfortable praying together or out loud with others, practice it. Don't say, I'll never get used to that. Practice it. Make a habit of doing it. Because when you pray out loud with others, you're enlisting others in your work. If you had a big log to carry and you had ten people willing to help you lift up that log or you could carry it by yourself, what would you do? (laughs) We'd all ask them to pile on to the end of the log. Prayer out loud with fellow believers is doing that. If you would truly like to see what your family at home, your church family, your community, and the world would look like with the Lord working with power, making things dynamic and not static, stop looking for human answers. Acknowledge the preeminent part that the Lord plays in accomplishing the impossible by devoting yourself to prayer as an individual and with other believers. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would hammer this message home into our hearts and into our minds. Lord, I confess before you my failures and to devote myself to prayer as you would have me do so. Lord, oftentimes I do not get around to it. Oftentimes, Lord, I do, do not devote the attention to it that I need because I'm distracted with other things I have to do. Oftentimes it does not get a priority in my day. Lord, I pray that you would forgive each one of us for our sins with regard to this crucial issue of prayer. Cause us to see that we should not be fretting and fussing, but instead turning to you in prayer for your miraculous and powerful answers to our needs and our situations and the needs and situations of those around us. Lord, keep us as well from using prayer as an excuse for inaction on our part, but instead work through our prayers, through the power of your Holy Spirit, to open our eyes for ways in which we can meet needs, which perhaps up to this point we have only been praying for you to meet. Make this clear to us in such a way that our families are shaken with your power. In Jesus' name, amen.